welcome back to the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast. I'm your host, Hepburn, and it's been a while. Thank you guys so much for your patience. We are back with the final installment of Return to the Woodlands. This episode was postponed because there have been developments since the release of the previous two parts. Developments that I'll be sharing at the end. So, continuing on, why didn't a proper investigation take place? There was so much evidence. Did any of that matter at all? Well, there's three reasons for it. Suppression of information, fear of retaliation from Aeon, and flat-out denial that anything wrong was happening from places of authority. And one determinant reason. We'll start with what looks like to be the suppression of information, the attempt to silence people. As stated before, Martha had written Yelp reviews on the Woodlands page, but they were removed. And she's not the only one that this happened to. If you go to the Woodlands Yelp page, you can go down to the very bottom where it says, not recommended reviews in gray. You read Martha's review about the killings of the cats as well as other accounts that detail the same occurrence at the Woodlands. Of the 12 reviews that were deemed not recommendable, all 12 were about animal abuse. Only one review regarding animal abuse on the main page was about it. For Anne's part, it specifically isn't the one who filtered out the complaints. Apparently, Yelp automatically deemed these reviews as not recommendable, but as to how they deemed these reviews as fake, unhelpful, or biased is a little dubious. Yelp doesn't want the algorithm to be known, so how can one meaningfully assess that these reviews aren't trustworthy? Well, here's an interesting tidbit to know about how Yelp possibly reviews and flags the reviews. One. Those reviews that are written at the location of the business are deemed as suspicious. The assumption here is that the review is biased, so Yelp will remove them and identify them as not recommendable. And, as you guessed, many of the reviews about the Woodlands are from residents at the Woodlands. Second, a business is able to flag a review and request its removal. The business owner can then choose from many options why they want the review to be removed. One reason, which the Woodlands most likely consistently chose, is this. It contains false information. Time and time again, the response to reviews saying they are killing cats is this. The Woodlands team does not participate in any type of animal abuse. We work directly with the town for the feral cats who are spayed and neutered. We also work with local cat shelters who retrieve and prepare young kittens for adoption. We encourage you to fact-check your sources as your comments is false. Furthermore, the police department has responded to the site multiple times and found not one single sign of wrongdoing. Thank you. The team at the Woodlands Belleville. The business owner is claiming all of this. Unless Yelp actually does a real investigation on the veracity of Whitland's statements, which obviously they won't, how can they trust it? Why is the business owner's review deemed more trustworthy than those deemed not recommendable? 
Ultimately, the vagueness in how Yelp processes reviews raises the question of ethicalness. Secondly, there is a fear of eviction and harassment. The fear ran so deep that even when there was an opportunity for full-blown coverage on the mainstream media, the residents, the witnesses, refused to talk to the news reporters, killing the story. And in terms of harassment, well, Anne has done it in the past. Their workers entered one of the interviewees' homes, and if you remember from the first episode about the Woodlands, maintenance workers barged into Martha's home without notice too. One person even said this, I've heard stories that they threaten witnesses with lawsuits, removing renters from the complex and vandalizing renters' cars and such. Everyone who agreed to speak to me only agreed to do it if I swore anonymity to them. All of them were given pseudonyms. There was no other way I would have been able to get these answers from them had they not been reassured that their identities would be kept secret. They all said that they didn't want Aeon to bother them because it was just a nightmare to deal with. Thirdly, Aeon, Woodlands, Police, Department of Health all said that nothing unscrupulous was happening. So here are some of these people who said that nothing was happening when something was happening. Teresa, the manager of the Woodlands, said that the cats were able to get out of the crawlspaces if they wanted to. Danielle, who was active in the case, who condemned Aeon for their cruelty, would later go on to backtrack and say that cats could, if they wanted to, get out of the crawlspaces too. However, both of these statements were false. Mother cats weren't able to get into the spaces to feed their cats, and kittens couldn't get out, even if they were strong and old enough to, because the kittens would have had to go through tenants' walls and a maze of pipes to get out. That's not an easy out. That level of difficulty suggests that the management company didn't design their seal-ups to be cat-friendly. They sealed the vents up in such a way that cats could not get out. Even residents have heard cats crying from within the buildings because they weren't able to escape. A person who we will call Eva took Martha's place after she was barred from entering the woodlands to care for the cats. In an interview, Eva corroborated with the aforementioned happenings. She noted that one cat looked sick, but wasn't getting enough food. The whole underbelly looked infected like she was trying to crawl out from somewhere. The cat that Eva was referring to was a female cat named Binks, who lived in the crawlspaces of the woodlands. Eva noted that the abdomen of Binks was infected and swollen, as if she had been struggling to escape something. When her stomach was closely examined, it was discovered that Binks was lactating and her mammary glands swollen. This obviously indicated that she was a mom and had babies to take care of. One day, Binks went missing and she was missing for about four days or more. Isabella opened one of the sealed crawlspaces to see if Binks was in there. She was. She was trapped in there with her babies and there were skunks in there too. Once Teresa learned that the crawlspaces had been opened, she ordered the maintenance men to close them permanently. There is a video of the man closing it, which will be posted on the VSF Facebook page where it can be viewed on Martha's Save the Woodlands page. 
On a side note, this man actually told Martha that he didn't care that there were cats in there. He would later go on to file a harassment complaint against her just because she spoke to him. When the space was closed, Banks was never able to get to her babies again. And because of this, all her little ones died from starvation and oxygen deprivation. The skunk also died. It should also be noted that the death of the skunk was not a one-off. Aeon management has killed wildlife before. A mother raccoon and her two babies, squirrels and possums, have also died after being sealed in the crawl spaces of the woodlands by the maintenance workers. Disappointingly, Belleville Police and the Department of Health all said that deaths were not occurring despite not conducting a thorough investigation. The statement that nothing was going on, it doesn't make sense. First, there have been too many people, and these people are credible. People who are professionally in the animal protection business, saying that the killings have happened. You heard it yourself. Danielle said these thefts were happening. Marty said it happened. Louise Ann said it. And Detective Stewart, he said it too. Second, there were photos of these cats' deaths, and there are testimonies from residents. Third, Detective Stewart, the person who was helping Martha and the Woodlands cats before he mysteriously left the case, tried to work with Belleville Police, but he was unsuccessful because Belleville Police wouldn't cooperate with him. No reports were ever exchanged. Nothing. Stewart was frozen out by Belleville's police. Additionally, even if Stewart could have taken the issue of them not giving him the reports to the court, he didn't. He just let it go. Fourth, the police didn't actually make any reports about the abuse. One report exists of cat killings, and it's the one Martha made. Martha met with the detective on the case, Anthony Abbott, and he said that there were other things, better things, he could be doing than investigating cat deaths. You can further see his dedication to the cause when a dead disemboweled kitten was shown to him, and he said an animal was the one who had done it. This was an impossibility. The image, which will be posted on VSF, showed a straight cut line. Only a human can do that. If an animal did it, the organs would be damaged. Fifth, witnesses say that the Department of Health inspector caught the cat's pests and wanted them dead. There is a bias here and a strong indication that more could have been done to help the cats in an ethical manner like TNR but those steps weren't taken in favor of more violent means. 6. There should have been a thorough investigation because Belleville is a TNR town with an ordinance. Since each state and municipality have its own set of rules about how to deal with feral cats, and since Belleville chose the TNR route, doesn't this mean that cats aren't viewed as pests in Belleville? So... Killing them off would be an illegal act under the 2019 Pact Act, a law that made animal cruelty a federal crime. So, them not doing a deeper investigation is so puzzling and a missed opportunity to enforce the new law. Seventh, the Department of Health and the Belleville Animal Task Force didn't seem to know much about cat habits. The cats of the woodlands have more or less disappeared now. If Aeon actually did do TNR, 
or worked with a rescue to ethically help the cats, the fact that there are so little cats left doesn't make sense. There will always be cats at the woodlands. Just because you take away one cat doesn't mean another cat won't come in and take its place. This is the vacuum effect. Other outdoor cats should have come in and taken these cats' places. But if there are no or so few cats left at the woodlands, and this continues being so, this indicates that something horrendous and unconscionable has and will continue to occur at the woodlands. If the police and the Department of Health don't see that this is a problem, especially after hearing the accusations that Aeon and the Woodlands are killing the cats, then they just didn't do their jobs. They needed to do their due diligence and truly conduct a meaningful investigation into the Woodlands cat killings. All of these points show the lack of care and professionalism of the police and the Department of Health. They could have pursued the case a little more, but they didn't. And finally, the biggest and most disappointing reason that a real investigation was not done is that everything I've just mentioned to you is circumstantial evidence. There are photos of dead cats and of makeshift homes reserved for the cats thrown into the garbage. There's a necropsy report. There are recorded testimonials. There is a video of someone closing off the vents. But because there is no solid evidence of the cats being killed by a worker or paperwork stating from Aeon specifically that the workers were to murder all the cats, the police chose not to pursue the case further. And we all know what this means. If the case is not pursued, criminal charges cannot be made and those who killed and hurt the cats will never suffer the consequences of their terrible, abhorrent, and sadistic actions. Here's what Aeon should have done. This is advice from the National Care and Control Association, a group dedicated to instilling animal welfare and public safety practices in communities. Work with residents to mitigate nuisance complaints, deploying a range of available tools, e.g. humane deterrence, and collaborating with caregivers and local T&R and rescue groups. Aeon could have put in real effort to do this, but based on everything you've just heard, they didn't. There were people who wanted to help and save the cats, but Aeon didn't do anything positive. All they did was destroy. Now here's the update. It will sound pretty terrible at first, but it does get better. For a year or so, a new cat feeder had taken the place of Martha and Eva, Don't think of this woman as a saint because she's not. Far from it. We'll call her Karen. Karen fed the cats, but she fed them like pigs, throwing piles of food onto the ground for them. She reduced their amount as time went on, depriving the cats of more and more nutrition. She also didn't give them water. Their bellies were distended, not because they were full, but because they had parasites. And yet, Karen didn't provide medical care for them. There was one cat, an orange male tabby, who was later named Van Gogh, who embodied this mistreatment. For over a year, Van Gogh had a wound on his ear. That wound was a black escar, or dead flesh. The wound was necrotic. Maggots were in it. He only received medical treatment when Robin, from R&M Rescue, trapped him in April of 2021. Mind you, 
Robin wasn't the one who first saw Van Gogh. It was Chloe. She alerted Martha to it. Since Martha wasn't able to step onto the Woodlands premise, and since it's technically Robin's job to care for the cats, she went in and trapped Van Gogh instead. But remember that she wasn't the one who found him. She just trapped him. Van Gogh was housed with Martha initially. While she took great care of him, he wasn't having an easy go at recovering. He had to go under anesthesia three times for wound debridement, which is the removal of damaged flesh. Van Gogh has other issues too. He has FIV, or the feline version of HIV, and combined with that, is a low weight and such a terrible wound, the vet actually recommended that he be put down. But Martha refused because he deserved a fighting chance. And right now, he is at another vet who is taking care of him as he heals. And to think, Karen had the balls to message Martha in March of 2020 and tell her that the cats were doing well, that they were happy and healthy, and that she shouldn't bother with them anymore. Disgusting. Since the release of part one and two of Return to the Woodlands and the revelation of Van Gogh, an Aeon Management corporate manager, who we will call Pamela, reached out to Martha. From these conversations, there was a promise that they would help pay Van Gogh's bill and vet bills in general for the cats. If you are able to help, I'll leave a PayPal link below. But that's not all they're talking about. In general, they're talking about how best to take care of the cats. And here's some tidbits. Martha suggested that Pamela get some nice water stations for the cats. And she complied. Discussions are still ongoing about a feeding plan. Pamela did promise to buy some food for the cats. And some food is expected to arrive on Saturday, June 19th. All weather shelters have been discussed as well. Martha wants the shelter to be placed in the doggy run area of the woodlands, an area that was meant for dogs, but since people don't utilize it, it has been determined that it'll be a good place to put the shelter. She hopes to make it a mini sanctuary in the future. Ultimately, she needs volunteers to help her trap the cats, build shelters and feeding stations, and people to help feed the cats as well. If you are in the Belleville, New Jersey area and are interested, please do help. Honestly, it's great that these talks are going on. It's very progressive, but only time will tell what will actually happen. But before we end this episode, it's only right to read little descriptions of some of the cats that have perished at the Woodlands, as well as a memorial poem written for them by Jennifer Ross. Boots Martha's first colony cat. Sprayed with pepper spray, beat up and poisoned. Chino, the gray's happy cat. Slappy's mom, who tried desperately to live by moving her babies constantly. A cat named Romeo, who was killed after being locked in a vent. Stripey, who went missing, who wasn't even one year old. A black and white cat named Raven, who also went missing right after TNR release. Sweet Pete, who went missing in Martha's courtyard. His sister, Sweet Pea, is missing him. Baby Boots, who is crushed to death. Boots was her father.
Milky, a white and gray tabby, was very cute and round. Whitey was not even one year old. She was heavily pregnant, and after she delivered, she was slaughtered. Another cat, Willie, who Martha saved, had some of her babies. Martha named one of them Whitey, like their mom. Frankie, the kitten who the vet said an inhumane metal leg trap was used. He died on the OR table when the doctor was amputating his leg. His little heart stopped beating. Frankie's siblings died as well. Mama. She was the cat who came to eat at Martha's back porch with three of her babies. While Martha was walking the complex, she saw her dead. She was poisoned. Martha saw the blue pellets in her food. Her babies were slaughtered as well. Five white tabbies also have gone missing, and all the black cats. All of Martha's courtyard kittens that she called trick-or-treaters because they came by her back door, making noises as though they were knocking, are also missing. Mama Raccoon and her babies, they've all died as well. And the possums, skunks, and other wildlife perish at the woodlands. To honor the memories of the slain and the missing, Jennifer Ross wrote this poem. When you saw me, I wasn't feeling well. My body was small. I was so frail. I was crushed under your weight, only because you were full of hate. Us ferals see so much gloom. You ended my life way too soon. I wanted someone's help, but instead was hurt so bad because you considered me a pest and made you mad. I needed someone I could trust. Instead, I was crushed. So that was the last follow-up episode of The Whitling Cats. If you or anyone you know can help these cats, please do so. I'll include Martha's Facebook page in the show notes. You can contact her from there. Also. Martha is in need of a pro bono lawyer, so if you know anyone, please do contact her. Again, her info will be in the show notes. Lastly, Martha will be holding a vigil. If you want to attend, there'll be information on her site. Thank you guys so much for listening and for being so patient. Remember, please tell people about this podcast, subscribe to it, and please rate and review please feel free to visit VSF's IG page, the period VSF period official. I post eye candies nearly every Friday, so if you want to see your little one on there, just DM me. And if you have a story to tell or you need a story to be told because the mainstream media just won't cover it, please contact VSF period official period podcast at gmail.com. And lastly, which I'm pretty excited to announce. I started a VSF website. It's www.thevoicelessspeakforever.com. There's merch now, so if you want to support VSF monetarily and help it grow, please do check the shopping section. Of very important note, there's a section called VSF and Afsun. All profits from that collection will be going to Plush Bear Shelter, a dog rescue in China that saves dogs from the meat trade. We chose this particular charity because the Yulin Festival is coming, 
an annual event in Yulin, China, that tortures and kills dogs for consumption. It lasts for 10 days, and it is extremely gruesome. These dogs are tortured to death, and it's happening in five days on June 21st. So please consider purchasing some of the VSF and Offsoon items so we can help as many dogs as we can. So that's about it. The season finale will be next week and it'll feature a photographer who is also an animal communicator. Until next Wednesday, toodles! <laughs>